This is Mark Halpert from connecttocollaborate.com, LinkedIn trainer and LinkedIn evangelist. You're listening to Bob Nolly's Labrador Leadership Podcast. Sweet. Live from the RVA, this is the Labrador Leadership Podcast with Dr. Bob Nolly. The program that brings you the leadership skills that can make you the most authentic, approachable leader for the sake of your business, your team, and for you. Now, here's Bob. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. How are you? Good things are happening in your life, aren't they? Sure they are, and I bet you don't know why. Welcome to the Labrador Leadership Podcast. That's one. But in second place is the fact that Mercury is no longer in retrograde. And all of the things that has been affecting in your life, your relationships, your job, your work, the way you feel, it's gone. And we've had three of them this year, right, Alex? Right. It's been a, it's been a rough year. Um, and, you know, astrology isn't anything that I put too much stock into. But, oh, do I believe in Mercury in retrograde. Oh, boy. And, and all that means is when you look at Mercury, when you chart it in the sky, you know, if you, if you did a little star chart, because it does just look like a little tiny red star, uh, there are times when it looks like it moves backwards. And it's not really moving backwards in its orbit. It's just the relationship of our orbit here on the blue pearl of Earth versus Mercury. And so it looks like it's moving backwards. Right. And then you feel in your life as if you are also stepping and moving backwards. But not us, because we're all moving forward here. Exactly. But I'm still glad it's over with. Oh, me too. Say, our, uh, one of our contributing buddies here, Liz Orion, who writes her Forbes, and we have an invitation out to her. And, oh, I'm thinking she's going to come on and talk to us one day, which would just be great. Right. She had this piece out called The Ten Most Damaging Leadership Lies. That fits right in with Mercury in retrograde. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, let's step through these this morning because, you know, I think when you hear some of them, you go, well, wait a minute. That's not a lie. She's just taking a take. Well, let's just see. Because some of them hit me that way. The 10 most, da- I feel like David Letterman now. I don't look like him or sound like him. Never. The 10 most damaging leadership lies. <laughs> Number 10 was the boss is always right because he or she is the boss. Now, this whole might makes right thing is a fear-based management battle cry. Uh, The boss is not always right. But this goes back to that whole concept of getting your power from the box you're in on the org chart. And whereas you do get power from there, the power you want to use is is, is the power that you have because of the relationship you have with the people that are working for you. And so might makes right is not always right, she says. You want to know when it's appropriate to say, thanks for setting me straight. Okay. Bob, did I lose you? Yeah, go. Oh, sorry. So, you know, you always get the boss is always the, is, is always right. And that, that's kind of the number one. Number two, I'd say the people always think that if their employees get, get too comfortable that they won't do their best work. And so Liz Ryan says this and then kind of says that, you know, the employees are, are having too much fun to be working and, and leaderships or leadership sees that as uh, a, a downfall. But for me personally, I, I feel like if, I'm, if I have a good rapport and I'm uh, happy and, and, you know, at my desk and have people stopping by – that's when I'm doing my best work because you can bounce it off of each other. It's not that you're having too much fun to be working, but you know, 
they're committed to your cause and you know, why shouldn't they enjoy their time in the workplace a little bit more? So that's kind of, I liked that one a lot. Um, because work is not really a, yeah, it's a byproduct of your time, but it's, it's not indicative of, you know, how you get there at the end. Lie number three, people work best when they're closely supervised. Watch them, watch them. Boy, you talk about a Theory X manager. That's just horrible right there. If you have to look at them that closely, your your team's not built very well. And fully functioning, committed adults don't need that kind of look at them. If you treat them like children, what are they going to behave like? Children under Mercury retrograde. So <laughs> you're going to have your own style is going to be at fault then. So this next one, carrots and sticks are the best ways to motivate people. Carrots and sticks is not um, a phrase I've ever heard of before in my life. So for those of you that are like me, it's rewards and punishments. So basically early management theory, uh, you know, said hold a carrot and they'll jump or, you know, whack them with a stick and they'll learn. Um, but, you know, most creators and that kind of thing, uh, it, that's not that kind of type A mentality is not always the best. So people are motivated by respect and freedom. Um, and, you know, a fair compensation plan, it doesn't really have to do with, um, you know, reprimands or, or accolades. Number five, too much information will confuse employees. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Only tell them what they need to know. That's crazy. So... This, this is almost a surefire way to get people to stop uh, caring, stop giving a you-know-what about the job, is giving, not telling them that, right, but even just giving the feeling that I'm not going to give you that information because you don't need it. You don't, don't worry about that. Just keep your head down and do what I tell you. How well we respond to that phrase, do what I tell you. It, this is so inexpensive and so easy. It literally costs you nothing to share information. And if you are finding yourself as a leader, you're not even a leader, you're a manager at that point. If you find yourself hoarding that information, uh, Liz says you're a fearful ninny. And I love that. I want, I want my people to ask me questions about what's going on, about how what they are doing fits in the big picture. And if you do that, somewhere down the line, perhaps a really really incredible worthwhile idea will sprout up and everybody will have a better idea of how all the pieces fit together. All right. So idle time being wasteful time and damaging the firm um, or the company. So think about, uh, you know, if your office is moving or, if you have a, a lunch meeting and you go 30 minutes to an hour over because everybody's having a good time and, and drinking the Kool-Aid and all that. So think about uh, watching a YouTube video or doodling on a piece of paper. So all of that is seen as idle time, but moving your office, reorganizing your office, um, you know, talking over lunch break about projects, uh, everyone's creative process is different. So uh, these small little time-consuming non-tasks may be uh, propelling growth, uh, creative activity goals, um, but you're not seeing them as that. So you have to kind of 
take the worry off of idle time and that micromanagement um, that's kind of ingrained in all of us and, and see it as a creative process and, and start to view the time management a little bit differently. The next one is, says that the key element is the role, not the person in it. Oh, my gosh. Now, if you are, are letting people think, and, and this has been the way for decades upon decades, that the role you fulfill on a team is more important than the individual imprimatur that somebody brings an individual, their individualism, that spark, then you, you have given everybody that one person in that slot and by relationship, everybody on the team, a big reason to think that they should uh, only do what the job calls for, do the minimal to fulfill the requirements. But if you acknowledge their creativity and the brain power that they bring, one of the biggest, most recent, you know, compliments that I got, somebody said, I, I, I love working with you as a great thought partner. And I went, wow, wow, thank you so much for that. And then all of a sudden I started working more effectively with them. So when you acknowledge something like that, their their creativity, their energy, their brain power, and just the, you know that that spark that the Mercury retrograde can't put out in them, you know, you are giving them a reason to care. Because what do we all want to do? We all want to contribute. And some people feel like they really can't contribute over and above what the job description calls for. But if you treat them in this way they're more likely to try to want to do that. So every time you say it's not about the person, it's about the role, she says, you push them back from this and they really couldn't give a you-know-what about what they're trying to get done. Right. So the next one, um, to keep people in top performing mode, they need frequent feedback. And this one I like because I always talk about how I, I prefer feedback and criticism. I think it's, uh, it's helpful. Um, but it, this goes to say that annual review pro programs are a waste of time, which is interesting. Um, you are available to help them, um, you know, all the time. You're their manager, and that's what you're there for. Uh, you know, help when they're struggling, coach when they want coaching. But it, it she points out that people don't listen to feedback unless they value it. So if management comes in and does an annual review, but you don't have that, uh, communication with them the rest of the year. They don't care what you're saying because you're not an active, an active manager or active part of their team. So if you're there and you're present, uh, you sh there should be no need for these annual review programs. Now we come down to the last two, and these are the last two that if you read them at face value, they may make you flinch and go, "Oh, I think I think Liz is off the mark here," but. I tend not to agree with that. So here we go. Leadership means setting goals and driving people to achieve them. Wow, is that a lie? Setting goals? As much as we talked about goal setting here. <laughs> Leadership doesn't require you to set goals. Oh, You know what it requires you to do? It requires you to create a vision and sell it to them and get them on board. The goal creation, you guys can do that together. And if you're not involved in that, just how much are you going to care about 
driving toward them. So the whole phrase of driving people to meet them brings up the uh, the image of a team of horses hitched to a wagon with the uh, leader sitting on the uh, buckboard on the wagon, you know, urging, you know, calling with the whip in hand, driving the people forth. That's not it. That's not it. That's not the kind of drive they're talking about. Hire folks that you want, build a great team, equip them, put them in the right environment, give them the tools they need and support them and let them join in the goal setting and they'll drive themselves forward. Right. So the last one, if you can't manage it, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. Um, there's many fields, especially communication and business. I mean, you can't measure, um, you know, the smaller parts of, of a project. You just, you can't. And so she goes to say, uh, the important elements are waves rather than particles. You can't measure them, but that's okay. You can feel them. So progress is, is kind of something that can't always be measured perfectly. And you can just see if your team is energized and into a project or if they're not, it's not, uh, it doesn't have to be so black and white. You know, there's that, there's that kind of movement there that is really what should be focused on. So if you're, if you're managing, um, you know, by the minute, uh, you know, your workforce could be completely dead, unenergized and uninterested in their project. And it really is, you know, they could spend eight hours on something that they don't, they don't care about and they're not doing their best, or they could spend three hours on, on, a really uh, great project or, or, or a really good movement. So the, the shift from uh, measurement to overall um, performance based on uh, kind of a more of a trust rather than a micromanagement uh, is something that she, she kind of leads to be the most important, um, which I do, you know, what do you think about that, Bob? Do you think that it's, it's something that you know, measure measuring uh, success should be, more so the the end product rather than uh, rather than the the plan and of action to get there. You know that's a really interesting question because I look at this whole set and this is a really well crafted piece and to have her place this at the end here uh, is is one that really attracts your attention and makes you sit up because I think I think I'm still circling around. We have to be able to measure it now. There are some things we want to measure. Why are we not making the revenue, hitting the sales goal, making the number of widgets that we forecast we were going to project? And we can measure all those things. We can measure the number of hours worked. We can measure the number of resources used, whether it's parts and pieces or, or whatever. And that can tell us about that. And that's somewhat different than, you know, managing how long the lunch breaks are or or how many calls that may got made but if you are off your target you have to have something something to look at to go back and go huh this might be the reason this might be the reason why we were falling short and then you can make the change you need to make there i think the interesting thing is when you see wow we just killed it this quarter we hit the ball out of the park Great. Why did we do that? 
And you go, well, geez, we, we didn't make any more calls than we had in the past. Why did we have the uptick? And I think the answer often is uh, the wave. There's a wave there. There's something that you have changed, whether it's raising the energy level or something of that nature. And it'll show up in a metric somewhere. You just want to be able to find it. And even though we talk about this in terms of the top 10 leadership lies, I, I think you're going to have to measure something somewhere because somebody at a box higher than you is going to go, why? And, and the sentence you want to respond with is not, shouldn't start with, well, I just feel that, you know, you, you need to know, you need to know why. So there are, there's a place for metrics and it's right there, but to drive your team at the micromanagement level off of that. Yeah. I'm not so much for that. Yeah. And it's situational as well. Okay, let's run them down here really quick one more time. The ten, uh, According to Liz Ryan, the 10 most damaging leadership lives are the boss is always right because he or she is the boss. If employees get too comfortable, they won't do their best work. People work best when they're closely supervised. Ouch. Carrots and sticks are the best way to motivate people. Uh, too much information will confuse employees. Oh, only me. Uh, idle time is wasteful and damaging to the firm. The key element is the role, not the person. To keep people in top performing mode, they need frequent feedback. Leadership means setting goals and driving people to achieve them. And if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. Okay, how about from your perspective? Which one stuck out for you? Mm, let's see. I'm going to have to go with uh, the, the feedback one. Uh, you know, I'm always, I'm always talking about... Uh, how I need that constant feedback, but the, to keep people in top performing mode, they need frequent feedback. Um, and then they go to talk about annual review programs. Um, I like the backside of it, which is the, if you're in constant communication, then you don't need those. those yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. So you know how I feel about communication. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. We all, we all know. So I think that one's, uh, the one that kind of stuck out to me. Um, because you don't see that practice as often as it, as it should be. Yeah, the one for me was if you can't, as I've already made the case, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. And uh, I think there are just other things that you can't measure that you can manage. Right. And I think those things are important, too. So that's where I am. Uh, so, Liz, at The Human Workplace, thanks very much for that. We'd really love to have you on soon. Uh, Alex, thanks for this. It's been a good one. Hey, thank you, Bob. All right. See you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Labrador Leadership Podcast. For the sake of all the special people in your life that deserve you to be the best leader you can be. Connect with us on our website at labradorleadership.com, on Facebook at Labrador Leadership, and on Twitter at Lab Leadership. Now, here's a final thought from Bob. Ladies and gentlemen, are you suffering from any of the 10 most damaging leadership lies? Please join the conversation. Go to labradorleadership.com, click on the big orange box, and we'll keep you out of trouble with your leadership lies. Take care of one another. See you next time.